ಸ್ಥಾಪಕಾಯಧರ್ಮಸ್ವರ್ಮಸ್ವಿಣೆ ಅವತಾರವರಿಷ್ಠಾ ರಾಮಕೃಷ್ಣಾಯಸುದೇವಸುತಂಗಸಚಾನೂರಮರ್ದನ ಲಾಸ್ಟ್ ಕ್ಲಾಸ್ ಸ್ಟಡಿಂಗ್ ದಾರ್ಟಿ ಫಸ್ಟ್ ಶ್ಲೋಕ ಆಫ್ ದ ಸೆಕೆಂಡ್ ಚಾಪ್ಟರ್ ಆಫ್ ಭಗವದ್ಗೀತಾ so we just discuss the very first line of the sloka uh, sorry this actually it was the second line of the sloka we will now go to the first line today let us read the sloka once more and then try to find out what bhagavan is saying in this particular sloka that how karma yoga leads to the highest good from various perspective bhagavan is enunciating that how karma yoga can lead to the highest good in the previous sloka we found that bhagwan was mentioning that it helps in a totally different way how that in our day to day life whenever we do some action there are two perspectives to look at that action one is the objective way to look at it and another is the subjective way to look at it from the objective point of view whenever i do a work it may either be a success or it may be a failure it can be a success or it can be a failure and if it's a failure then two consequences follow that was indicated in the last sloka what are the two consequences one is abhikrama nasha and another is pratyavaya these are the terms which we found in the previous sloka and bhagwan is saying that in karma yoga both are negated that even if you are not successful it's not that you are there is going to be abhikramanasha and there neither is going to be pratyavaya neha abhikramana shosti pratyavaya navidyate swalpam apyasya dharmasya trayate mahato bhayat so what was the basic idea what is the meaning of those words abhikramanasha and pratyavaya so whenever i do some action to get the result there has to be various steps i have to follow and for after following all the steps meticulously most probably at the very last step i falter i falter i fail then what happens all the steps which i have followed they are of no use you don't get the desired result just the example which we gave it is applicable to any of the worldly uh, our goals the example of the launching of the rocket you followed meticulously all the steps the scientists followed all the steps and at last when it was launched it crashed now all the steps that i have followed are of no use i mean i have to start again from the square zero 
from the very first step. So all the abhikrama, abhikrama means sequence, abhikrama. In Sanskrit, krama means sequence. So all the sequence which I have followed, they simply shatter, fall off. I have to start again from the square zero. And abhik, this another is a pratyavaya, that it was meant for some constructive purpose. If the rocket was launched, it would have acted as a geostationary satellite helping me in all the internet activities which we have in the world. That's how the geostationary satellites are helping. Without them, we cannot think of this internet activities. The geostationary satellites are the one from where the, all the transmissions are again reflected back, which makes the transmission something global. Otherwise, it would have been something local. The way they, the globally now the internet is working is because of all those geostationary satellites. So it has a huge implication. But if the satellite crashes, then I won't get the positive result. In contrary to it, I will get the negative result. What's the negative result? So much of resource is wasted. So much of national property was used. Everything got west. So there are two such consequences. One is when the failure, we meet a failure, there is Abhikramanasha and there is Pratyavaya. But now Bhagavan is saying here an interesting thing. In Karma Yoga, there is no Abhikramanasha, there is no Pratyavaya. You may say, how come? Yes, as per the objective aspect of the work is concerned, of course there is a failure, there, of course there is Abhikramanasha, and of course there is Pratyavaya. But there is another aspect of that action. That is the subjective aspect. Yes, I may have failed to launch the rocket, but the experiences which I have gathered in the process of launching the rocket, don't you think it is going to help me the next time when I again start from the square zero? The experience I have gathered, not only that, in the work field, while working with the others, I have developed a work culture to work as a team. Is that going to be destroyed? No. The samskaras which you have developed, are they going to be destroyed? No. So that's why Bhagavan is saying, when you are doing a karma, don't think of the result. Forget about the result. It is not in my hand. It may be a success. It may be a failure. If you, think too much of, if you are thinking too much of the result, your mind is clouded with the re result orientation. So you cannot give your full focus in the work which you are doing. Though you want that the work has to be perfect, but as your mind is totally engaged in the expectations, anticipations, you cannot focus in the work itself. So I have neither the future in my hand, the past also is not in my hand. What is done is done. I cannot remake it. I cannot change it. And I cannot even predict what's going to, be, going to happen in the future. Even the scientists with all the scientific knowledge, with all the technological advancements, do meet failure. You cannot ascertain that, yes, with all my knowledge, I'm going to be a success. There may be a failure. Let me not think of it. Because just by thinking of it, I cannot change its course. But what can I do? I can give my full focus in the present. 
as future is not in my hand i don't waste time by thinking of it it doesn't mean that i shouldn't have plans i should have plans once the plan is made now let me forget about the future yes this is my desired goal now let me come back to the present let me forget about the past failures give my full focus on the present work and that is going to build up your future so that's the karma yoga through that process what is happening i am not result oriented i am performance oriented i am in the present i don't don't dwell in the past or in the future i am always in that present trying to do the thing perfectly neither seeking nor avoiding by taking the responsibility jan sadhan tan siddhi these are the hindi proverbs adages very interesting that jan sadhan whatever you are doing whatever however insignificant the work may be don't think that i have to hurriedly do it and go and sit for my meditation when i am doing a work let that work alone be my siddhi means that's the goal as if there is no other goal in my life when i am cooking my food just to cook the food perfectly is my only goal in my life nothing else when i am brooming the floor cleansing my house to cleanse the house perfectly is the only goal in my life forget god everything why because the same mind with the same mind when i sit for meditation i haven't done any preparation the mind that vacillating mind at the time when i'm doing a work it is wandering in some future anticipation or in some past thoughts with that mind i will be sitting for meditation and how can i expect that the meditation is going to be fruitful so throughout the day how i'm working that becomes that becomes the practice for my meditation that becomes the preparation ground for my meditation and karma yoga speaks of that contemplation in the world of action while doing your activities don't think of forsaking the activities don't think of future don't be too much attached to the results of the actions that god has given me the scope at this moment to take this responsibilities i am the fortunate one there are many who have the same capability like me but somehow i am grateful enough to acknowledge the fact i got it and let me do it perfectly and there it ends don't be a mercenary that this much of work for that this is the result i am waiting and that way what happen we become the poorest person in the world you may get some cash by that type of thought but you have nothing else no happiness no integrity of character by thinking too much of your own selfishness you are bound to try to fool others when the any country the economy becomes tertiary economy that's the evil of that system you will find that in any country when the economy becomes tertiary what happens they all outsource the rich countries have outsourced they are doing as such they are producing nothing the entire economy is based on service like running restaurants legal system and there know it for certain as there is no certain job each and every person wants to be skillful in language and try to fool others constantly is if it is bound to happen why it is happening because 
that has become the structure of the society that somehow the, there is no particular work the one who is working in some industry they know this is the product i have to produce and this is the money i earn and in service economy it's not the thing every day you have to search for your own clients and you are bound to become a very skillful in your communication but at the same time you know that i don't know that what's going to be next whatever customer i got let me extract as much as possible and that's what in the last uh, mundakopanishad class we were also discussing that becomes a trend and that way what happens we find neither we are at peace neither we enter the peace of others because constantly you are agitated constantly you are uh, means becoming the source of disturbance for others there's mutual distrust and the society which is meant for uh, integrated development we find it is disintegrating the rust it, the disintegration doesn't appear in one day it starts rusting gradually the rust starts developing and that's what we find we again and again say in the olden days with the olden this perennial values which we have now thrown away thinking them to be of no use that we brag with our scientific knowledge we forget one thing the aboriginal cultures with all their primitive crude ideas the so called primitive crude ideas were existing for 60000 70000 80000 years we don't know how long and we with the bragging of our all scientific knowledge in 200 years is going to crumble because of our shallow understanding and that's the thing bhagwan is saying that once you gather that experience and that you are try to be at present your mind becomes focused your total there's overhauling of your personality your total personality changes and then you become a productive member of the society you become focused in term whatever you do helps the society because constantly you are not chasing for the result for your own simple selfish monetary gain or whatever little name and fame little position in life little projection you could easily outgrow that and can get the cash down payment what's the cash down payment you did not have to wait till your death to go to the heaven to enjoy the happiness there we are built the god has planned the universe in such a way wherever there is the diffusion of the ego sublimation of the ego the ego instead of getting crystallized gets dissolved a tremendous happiness ensues it's a fact of life whenever you have without any selfish motive have done some good not maybe not even as a uh, in material kinds just someone is in utter dejection i go and speak a few kind words we don't know how much that really has helped him but can anyone say if anyone has just that self selfish unselfishly doesn't feel when he comes back a sense of satisfaction within can we deny that can you fool yourself we will find that any time in any way whenever the ego is sublimated i find uh, someone sick and i tender a little care doesn't if there is no such selfish motive 
you're bound to get a tremendous joy out of it because the universe has been planned in such a way. Our genes are altruistic. God wants us to be an instrument in sustaining the nature which he has produced. It is a projection of the Lord. Why it has been projected, we can never know it. But once it has been projected, we are certain about it. It's of course God's wish. And as it has been projected, we all, as long as we are playing the role as an instrument in sustaining that creation by dissolving our ego and thinking of others, God has created it in such a way, you are bound to get the cash down payment. Immediate happiness is bound to come. Anyone who does it, even a small child, when he gives something, feels happiness. So this constant, this cash down payment of doing things selfishly and thinking of others, when one, when that becomes the trend of our mind, your buddhi becomes vyavasaitika, focused. It's not chasing thousands of desires and being totally disturbed. I want this, I want that. And I don't know what actually I want. And at last I find I'm tired, I'm frustrated. And chasing the selfish uh, goals, I, at the same time, I'm bound to fool others. That way I disturb the society, disturb the family. Everywhere we have green disturbance within and without. So that's the second idea which Bhagwan is going to discuss in the 41st sloka. That how karma yoga leads to the highest good. In the previous sloka, he told that what all backslidings you don't have. What all negativities it doesn't take you. But at the same time, it should help me to take get something positive. As in the positive psychology nowadays, they say that the entire trend of the psychology was in the previous age, in the previous decades, that if you are normal, if you're a normal person, the psychology is not going to help you in any way. Only when you get some psychological issues, the psychology, the entire subject of psychology dealt with in bringing you from the minus to zero. But what about from zero to plus? Why not try to go from zero to plus? Something positive. If you have a garden, there are two things. One thing you have to weed, you have to remove the weed, but that's not all. Just by remove the weed, you don't get a garden. You have to sow the seeds. So in the mind, removing the weeds has been spoken of in the previous sloka. That what the negative aspects are taken care of. If you are doing karma yoga, you won't get pratyavaya. Pratyavaya is a weed. Abhikramanasha is a weed. You don't get that. You have removed those weeds. But what's the positive something? That positive something is spoken of here. But when you culture the karma yoga, it helps you to become focused. And that focus will bring a tremendous calmness, tranquility in your life. So we have, we have, that's the idea of Vyavasayatmika. When your mind is focused. So Vyavasayatmika buddhir ekeha kurunandana vahushakha hi anantascha vudhyo avyavasayana. Those who are avyavasai, whose mind is constantly wavering. For them, the mind is traveling in thousands of paths. They're totally disturbed. And that's what in default mode we all are. 
as in the last class also we were indicating that through the process of evolution through the entire process of evolution what has happened we have developed innumerable mental modules how the mental modules develop that's just as a microbe when you put some nutrient near it it is drawn towards it so the nutrient when the external environment has nutrient it creates a particular response i will be drawn towards that if there is a toxin i will move away from it dvesha abhinivesha fight and flight so this stimuli response conditioning has created started creating the modules as we develop in the entire process of evolution all the stimuli response conditioning various stimuli response conditioning has created innumerable mental modules and we at certain moment of time when i am sitting quietly i find that it is so difficult to sit quietly now one thought comes again another thought comes why now all these mental modules are constantly wanting to draw your attention they want to be pampered they want to be nurtured so they are constantly disturbing you assailing you so, so that's the cause condition of the people the commoners in general bahu shakha hi anantascha buddhya avyavasayana and they are as they want to be pampered and i easily get i yield to them now i am pampering one of the particular modules the next moment again i am pampering some other modules is just like every day feeding the birds the morning the birds come you feed them they come again they all want to be nourished if you have to get rid of those birds you feel enough i'm tired of this every day feeding the bird i want to be with myself alone now you stop feeding what happens will the bird stop coming immediately no you have made the, the, the habit has grown the expectation is still there they will come the second day the third day the fourth day now you have to be very very Uh, resolute in your dis- your determination that in no way i'm going to yield let them come that's the idea behind gyana yoga the sankhya yoga you go out of the society totally detach yourself from all the perceptions perceptual entanglements go on constantly thinking that you are the self it needs lot of patience perseverance it go for long why suppose that same that example the birds i have resolved that i won't feed them for the first day i don't feed the second day they come back i don't feed the third day they come back i don't feed the fourth day they come back and now i again feel that i developed that weakness okay they are coming every day i feed them the fourth day so what happens the fifth day again they will come back now again the expectation has grown so you have to continue for the fourth day fifth day sixth day till they stop coming so gyana yoga speaks of that strong determination all the mental modules will be chasing aham brahmasmi i am in no way in the process of evolution because of that ignorance that i am this body mind complex this ego from that this all modules have developed actually i am not this i am the atman there is no death for me i am beyond that and that atman the brahman got reflected in this psychophysical existence the non local became local 
And from that, the ignorance started. I hearing the echo from the body mind. I took the echo to be real. It is I who am saying I am eternal. But that echo comes from the body mind and I feel the body is eternal. And in that attempt to make that eternal, the entire biological evolution was going on. Someone behind is saying, you, there is no death for you, but I find there is death for the body. So I try to conquer the nature. And that's how the evolution happens. As a human being, we have the faculty to realize the fact that I'm already eternal. It is because of the ignorance that I took the ego to be the real and tried to make the thing which is, which is never possible to be permanent as permanent, that body-mind. That stops. So that for that, now you have to constantly persevere with that fact that all these mental modules out of ignorance which you have developed, I shouldn't yield to them. So it's an assiduous process. That's the Sankhya Yoga. In those societies, there were two classes of people. When Bhagavan Krishna took birth, he was in, the, in this society, there were two classes of people. One who were fed up with all those rigorous yajyas, which entails swarga. They thought enough of it. All these the, uh, yajyas may lead me to the swarga. Again, I have to come back with this limited result. I can never get eternity. I don't want that. They realize that this, they ultimately serve no permanent so solution. So they retired to the forest. And those who were yet to evolve to that, they were just in the Karmakanda. Bhagavan Krishna, what he did, that yes, you need not have to go to this pole apart. You can still be in the society. You can still go on with your work. But at the same time, you can unhinge your ego. For that, the yoga which he is introducing in the Bhagavad Gita, it may be thousands of years back, but it is more applicable today. The buddhi yoga, which speaks of the karma yoga, it is more applicable today because now no one is there who's going to feed you if you go to the forest. The total social structure has changed. In the olden day, the social structure was different. When you go to the forest, there was a high reverence for that type of life. Throughout the day, you are busy with your sadhana and you come for bhiksha, people give you bhiksha. And now it is illegal. Can you go out and beg? You will be in the jail next day. It is illegal. You cannot beg. So this is the present society where you have to earn your living. Even 10, 20 years back, the society was such that if I felt I don't, I'm not ambitious, just I want to sustain myself for doing four hours work, five hours work, whatever I earn with that, I will remain satisfied. Then also I, we found that meditative life, contemplative life was possible. But now would you agree with me that you go to the workplace, there is no question of determining how many hours I work. Either you work as I say, or you don't work at all. You are forced with, you will find that from morning till evening you are working. Why? Just to sustain yourself. That's what Sri Ramakrishna says, Kalite Annagata Pran. Just to sustain yourself throughout, the, all your endeavor is gone. How can you think of that Jnana Yoga? Deeply in meditation, I, that, uh, I will be in meditation and I just totally cut off from the society and go to the illumination. 
can that be the general norm of the society it's not possible that's why buddhi yoga the bhagavad gita is more applicable nowadays than it was in those days in those days buddhi yoga was the first for the monarchs very interesting you will find in the hindu religion though the brahmins are considered the highest caste because they are always contemplating studying kshatriya is the next but all the avatars are kshatriyas krishna rama all are kshatriyas what why what made them avatar that they they were absolute monarchs they were extremely busy constantly they have to look after the welfare of the people the society they cannot think a king cannot think of renouncing and going to the forest so they developed it is the kshatriyas who developed this buddhi yoga karma yoga the brahmins can think their society is taking care of them they can think of contemplation how the kshatriyas can think a monarch cannot say now that as arjuna was about to do a king cannot do that that whatever may be the result i just simply relinquish the war and go and uh, retire in the forest the entire social structure will fall off so there you have to be in the society take care of your responsibilities take the burden of your own responsibilities but at the same time have to be tranquil calm and quiet and not only that have to evolve spiritually so that's why sankhya yoga it's not that it is not a way it is a way but it is it possible for all to practice in general you will find it is impossible then is religion only for those who have somehow managed to just break the shackles of the society and go to the forest or go to some recluse uh, go to some uh, retreat and spend the time there is religion only meant for them what about the most of the majority of the people is religion not for them spirituality not for them then what is the use of that spirituality the spirituality has to come down to pick me up from where i am and that's what buddhi yoga does that's what bhagwan is introducing and he says that when your mind becomes focused don't think that take care of the responsibility don't run away from it as in the very beginning we told that fear is an acronym which can be interpreted in two ways that forget everything and run f e a r that can be the acronym for fear forget everything and run that what arjuna was doing when the very first chapter we found that was arjuna's intention was forget everything and run and what bhagwan is saying f e a r face everything and rise above the situation you can face and then rise above the situation take entire responsibilities how it is possible through buddhi yoga what is the idea behind it that it's not the obliteration of the ego that i am not the body not the mind not the senses i am the atman and you obliterate the ego just by will force just as the gyana yogi does by relinquishing all the responsibilities of the society it's not that way it's a transformation of the ego the sublimation of the ego in the words of Ra- ramakrishna there are two types of ego kacha ami paka ami unripe ego ripe ego when keshav chandra sen used to visit ramakrishna he was a well known orator the leader of the brahma samaj in those days keshav was one of the most famous person in the entire india when he visited ramakrishna and ramakrishna 
told that give your mind to God, then he Keshav asks, then what happens to my society, this Brahma Samaj and all? If I am just like you, totally absorbed in God. And then Ramakrishna's reply was understanding. It was very interesting. What he told is society is not yours. It is God's. What all activities you are doing is not you are doing. God is making you do. It is God who is doing through you. Just transform this idea of I. It is not I. It is I that I is no more the one who is the doer. It becomes an instrument. As Swami Ramakrishnananda used to say that when someone is to ask him that how is it possible that you do so much of work in South India, all the mission centers which we have are the credit goes to Ramakrishnananda, the direct disciple of Ramakrishna. He did a lot of work in a very short time. And people were amazed. So whenever they used to ask him, that's how is it possible that you have done so much? And he's always, the reply was interesting. Does a pain say I have written so many books? The other idea is I'm just the pain. Someone is holding me. He's making me do. So that's the Pakami. When you transform, you're not trying to get rid of the ego totally. You're transforming your ego. You're ripening it with the idea. I am just the instrument in the hand of God. Whatever I have is God's. I am just the trustee. Whatever responsibilities I have to take care of, it's not my duty. God has kept me in this situation to take care of all those responsibilities. The common example which we give again and again, the mother's love. If the mother thinks she loves the child, she is bound to suffer. She may say that I don't expect anything from the child. But when the child grows, even a single harsh word makes her suffer. Because though she is saying she doesn't expect, there is expectation. I love so much. Is it in return I get this? That's, that's the way the child behaves. Why it happens? Because there is an expectation. But one thing we have forgotten. That so much you love. Is it you who love? Really you think in the entire creation, would you find a single mother which doesn't love the child? The God has implanted the love in the mother to take care of his creation. You're just an instrument. You're bound to do. There's no other way. Even the animal does it. So now if you just change that your orientation, this tremendous love which I feel for my child, let it, does, it, it, it may not infatuate me. Let I be aware of the fact this love is okay. Not, I need not become a total heartless person by thinking all these are Maya. It is okay. God, who is beyond Maya, for what reason I don't know, is finding expression as the creation. And for that, there is, is a particular plan. In that plan, the love, the altruism plays a great role. And it is being acted through me. I'm just the instrument. Let me do it perfectly. And he has given me a lot of faculties to deal with the situation intelligence, uh, rationality, willpower, all those things I have, God has given me. Let me use all those faculties and seeking not, avoiding not, let me take care of the responsibility with the I totally transformed. It is not I who am doing, it is not I who am going to change the world. God has his ways. 
even I die today, the world will go on. When so many people think, if I die, what will happen to my family? What will happen to my children? Does anything stop? You will find nothing stops. The one we create so much of self-importance, at last we find that even with, uh, without us, nature takes care of itself. Nature, which is nothing but the projection of the divine. Nature is, uh, there's two ways of thinking. One says the nature is inert. But Vedanta says nature is not inert. It looks like inert, but it is after all the projection of the divine. So sanctify it by seeing the divine in it. You see the divine in it. That's the deification. That's why in India, everything is worshipped. They say that they worship the tree, they worship the stone. In Kashi, you go, there's, there's a saying that Kashi ke har kankar, each and every stone particle in Kashi, hai bhole shankar. What a wonderful, that you may say, what type of ignorance this is. Stone, inert thing, how can it be a God? Yes, if God has become the world, it is my limited understanding. It is my limited vision that doesn't allow me to see the God in each and everything. But the fact is it is God. And everything is defied. You defy the entire world. See the divine in it. And your each and every action becomes a worship. It no more remains a secular. Nothing remains secular. Everything becomes spiritual. It's just the change of orientation. Once the orientation is changed, everything becomes spiritual. Even the mother will taking care of the child. It is taking care of Gopala. It's not anymore an ordinary human being. It becomes the Krishna, the baby Krishna. When the devotee is uh, worshipping the baby Krishna, they don't think that they are just doing some worldly activity. It becomes spiritual. It happened in, uh, we find in the life, life of Ramakrishna, one widow came and she told that uh, when I sit for worship, I have no attachment, but uh, I am taking care of one of my nephew. The nephew has got orphan and this widow is taking care of the nephew. And now entire motherly love is on that child. And she says, she just admits, I am so much attached to this child that I find that in meditation, the child is a distraction. Ramakrishna immediately replied, why don't you take care of the child thinking it to be the Gopala? And there's a Huge transformation in that lady within just few months. Exuberant devotion. People were amassed to see. What's the thing? Just the changing of the orientation. It's not that she has to detach forcefully. Doing the same thing with the idea. It's the entire divine. Entire creation is nothing but the projection of the divine. I see the divinity in it. Seeking not. Avoiding not. I tend to it. I just work it. Why? Not that I am working. God has given me love and has made me the instrument. I just relate by becoming the instrument. And there it ends. And God has made us in such a way, when you do that way unselfishly, immediately, a tremendous joy emanates. You get the cash down payment. Forget about the results. The results which we judge is beat our limited understanding. What actually is the plan of the divine? Even through destruction, we don't know. Sometimes we will find in the long run, the things which we thought evil in a way actually helped to build up the society. All the wars and uh, in, the, uh, in the history of humanity, hasn't it made us more civilized? 
previously whenever any country felt like attacking and just can go and attack and just plunder their wealth and take the country just under their control now uno is there world peacekeeping force are there economic sanctions are there you do it the entire world boycotts you this all this this ideas this uh, consensus this opinions have grown how it has came it came to the destruction so we don't know what's the plan of the divine we need not judge the divine by our small acts through all these actions the divine's play is going on he is sustaining his creation through both creation and destruction this this both are needed we need not go on judging on those thing let me take care of the immediate responsibilities which i have and with the with the idea that i am the instrument of the divine and that's how this getting as you get established in the the pakam is to constantly keep that idea in the mind it is after all the lord who is sustaining the creation it is not me i am just the instrument so that's a very nice funny story in ramayana very funny story you know when uh, the um, bridge was constructed that the from india to sri lanka the setu rama setu was was under construction rama himself was surprised seeing the devotion of the monkeys vanara sena the monkeys had so de- so much devotion in their heart they will pick up the stone inscribe the name of rama on the stone and throw it on the water the stone floats rama himself couldn't believe how is it possible so they were all in the camps in tents all around just near the shore in tents the vanara sena was there rama was also there with lakshmana in the dead of night rama was not getting sleep he was really perturbed with the thought how it is possible in the dead of night he was sure that all are asleep he thought is it really possible that just by writing my name rama in a stone if you throw it will float so now to experiment he himself went out so himself went out thinking that all are sleeping he picked up a stone inscribed his own name rama on it and threw the stone on the water it drowned it was not floating he tried again again it drowned rama was totally perplexed how is it how is it that this hanuman is vanaras they do it it floats i write my name i'm just throwing it it's it is it is getting it is sinking and suddenly rama when he was doing this he was trying uh, this uh, attempting this failure after the two three failure attempts suddenly he realized someone is spying him he turned back and it was hanuman hanuman was there because hanuman always made it a point to be the security of rama when he got up he had almost no sleep he also got up he was following him he was just maintaining a distance waiting there and he saw hanuman is waiting there and now rama felt a bit embarrassed he he, he understood that uh, hanuman has seen him what he was doing and now rama confessed i don't understand that when you write the name of my name and throw it it floats and i wrote my name and threw the stone it sinked why now hanuman is called buddhimatam varishta he is more intelligent than the most intelligent person in the world so buddhimatam varishta he had a tremendous presence of mind so what his replies is wonderful well oh lord 
how can this thing float whom you have forsaken? If you have forsaken something, it can never float. It is bound to sink. So as you are holding the creation, that's why it is there. It's a wonderful idea. So Rama, what he has forsaken, how can it float? It is bound to sink. As you are holding the entire creation, that's why it is sustaining. Otherwise it cannot sustain. So it is not me. It is the Lord who is sustaining the creation. We are just the instrument. So that you don't have to wash away the ego. The ego is still there. It has been sublimated. And that entails in the Karma Yoga. So our only intention should be to please the Lord. To please the Lord. Nothing else. If he is pleased, the entire creation is at peace. That's what we say every day during the guided meditation. If he is pleased. Why is, when he is pleased? When he finds that his instruments are working properly. How, what, what a tremendous annoying situation it will be when you suddenly find that the laptop on which you are supposed to work, it's not working properly. It breaks a headache. Similarly, we are like those laptops which are not working properly. God gets the headache. To please him, to be the proper instrument is the only aim of life. There's another nice small incident. Holy Mother, Sharada Devi, one day wanted to visit Belurmat. So she came to Belurmat. And she saw in the morning, this practice is still there. The practice is still there. The brahmacharis in the morning, because a lot of people, there will be a lot of people who in the, uh, in the afternoon will be taking their prasadam. So huge quantity of food has to be cooked. So all the vegetables has to be dressed. The vegetables has to be cut, dressed, peeled. Who will do that? So all the brahmacharis in the morning, they all will be sitting in one place. One brahmachari will be reading some holy book, the life of Ramakrishna, the gospel or something, anything. Others all will be sitting around him. They will be cutting the vegetable. So the, the words are going through the ears, they're focused and the work is going on. And nicely they're peeling the vegetable. Now, in the Indian, in the, you know, the olden days, it is always the female members who, do, who used to do all those works. The boys never used to do it. So now when Holy Mother came and saw these brahmacharis, these young boys sitting and peeling the vegetables, cutting the vegetables so nicely, she was so amused. She was so amused. She was very happy. Like a small girl, she giggled. And she told, oh, my boys can cut vegetables so nicely. And seeing her giggling like a small girl, so happy, one brahmachari, who later became one of the illumined soul, a very, he was a very, very revered monk. Very Swami Jagadananda, he was a brahmachari that time. Immediately, the way he what he responded, the way he reacted is something wonderful. He told, Our only aim is to please the mother, whether it's by doing japa or by cutting vegetable. You are pleased, that's what's our goal. So to please the Lord. Tasmin tushte jagat tushtam, prinite prinitam jagat. To please the Lord alone. That's the, that makes your mind focused. Whatever I'm doing, the result of that work, if I'm focused there, it is going to be baffled by thousands of thoughts. But to please the Lord, whatever I'm doing, I'm just the instrument. God has kept me in this position. Do it perfectly. God will be pleased. That makes your mind it helps in so many ways that in the last 
sloka bhagavan was saying that trayate mahato bhayat you get read from all dangers so what's the danger we will find that when hanumana in the ramayana the stories if you take literally uh, sometimes yeah it gives us some en- uh, enjoyment it gives of course our some devotion but they have their these stories are sometimes uh, uh, have some subtle meaning uh, we should also be aware of that then our perspective becomes much broader but there's a nice story when hanumana was jumping over the ocean to find out where sita is for the first time he was jumping over the ocean to reach lanka now in the ocean there were a lot of demoness so one such demoness was simhika but she had a wonderful capacity what she can do uh, she need not she can never she can never she cannot fly she is she can at the most be on the surface of the water she stays deep beneath the ocean but can come to the surface of the water but she has a wonderful capacity what's that if anything is flying on the sky and its shadow falls on the water the simhika can hold on to the shadow and pull down the creature and devour it so that way it used to devour so many creatures which used to fly over the ocean now when hanumana was jumping over the ocean simhika came out to devour hanumana now hanumana has the capacity to become small minutely small and again also become big huge he can become big like a mountain and he can become small like a just like an ant so what hanumana did he became so small there was no shadow so small and he went through the jaws of simhika and escaped so that's the story is there in ramayana so if you take it as a mythological story of course it gives some type of excitement as a children also like this type of stories but what's the idea the idea we get in jung's uh, this idea of superficial personality a shadow personality will find our ego makes our personality superficial you try to pose what you are not a young student in the school was constantly being monitored by the parents by the teachers by headmaster suddenly feels his free in the college and he develops a superficial personality some movie hero that becomes his hero he dresses like him behaves like him in the meantime what has happened there is a shadow personality there so many weaknesses in the school the parents were there to take care of me so they were hidden they are still hidden when i am in the college by the superficial personality they have created the shadow and now you are can easily be lured suddenly you will find that you have fallen the prey the more the bigger the shadow personality the more the simhika lurks from it they jump from it to totally devour you all the drug addiction all sorts of infatuations which we find sometime is disrupting a young life that life could have bloomed suddenly gone is because of this simhika how it happened because we were not humble enough to recognize the fact that there are simhikas hidden in our personality they were shadowed and simhika got the chance to get the hold of the shadow and pull us down our superficial personality was devolved why 
because that ego is too much flared by the superficial personality. How to keep it minute, small, annihilated? Just like Hanumana. Hanumana, how he could become small? Because always he had the idea, he is Rama's servant. He is doing Rama's work. He is there, his life is to serve Rama's mission. Nothing else. That gives him the humility. That gives him that capacity to become so minutely small that no shadow is formed at all. He's totally aware of what he is and nothing can make him vulnerable. And that speaks of Trayate Mahatobhayat. The dangers of life are gone. The stories of Ramayana are wonderful. You know, there's one story in Ramayana, very interesting. It is after when and the war is over, Rama has went back to Ayodhya. He's sitting in the palace, in the throne, beside Sita. And Hanumana suddenly appears there and bows down to Rama. And Rama, what he says is something interesting. That you are Sankat Mochana. You know why he is Sankat Mochana? Why he is called Sankat Mochana? Whenever Rama was in danger, Hanumana was there to save him. Hanumana is there to save God as if, after all, it is God's play. He makes himself vulnerable to allow the devotee to feel satisfied by helping him. He makes himself vulnerable. So, whatever that Hanumana knows very well. So, Rama says that you are Sankata Mochana. Whenever I was in danger, you were there to help me. But I don't want to pay back the debt. That was Rama's Uttar. I want to be indebted. I never want to pay back the debt. So you must say, what actually that you have helped me. I don't want to help you. I want to be indebted. You must say, what's the answer actually? It is, what a wonderful answer is actually it is. That whenever I was in danger, you were there to help me. Now to pay back your debt, you have to be in danger. And then I have to be help you. But I don't want you have to be, I don't want that you should be in danger. So I don't want to get rid of the depth. I want to be in depth. So I don't want that you fall in danger. But Hanuman is in danger. But he, even Rama knows he is not in danger because he has transcended the danger. They say that by his that orientation, the change of that orientation, that I am doing the Rama's work, Rama's mission, that doesn't entail that dangers doesn't come. Dangers do come. Challenges do come. But he can easily transcend them by growing much bigger than the problem. That we find that when Rama is in need of that Sanjivani to revive back Lakshmana, the story is there. Lakshmana was about to die because of uh, the Ravana's arrow has pierced him. And he was about to, he was almost about to die when uh, it was prescribed that the particular plant, the herb, can save him. And that herb is available only in the Gandhamadan Parvata. Now, how, who can go? Rama asks Hanumana. Hanumana in one jump goes there, but he doesn't recognize that plant. There's so many trees. How to recognize that? So what he does, he becomes big, this time not small, so big, bigger than the mountain. The mountain just, he can take in one palm. He takes the entire mountain in the palm and he gives a leap, comes back to Lanka. And then the physician gets the exact herb and saves Lakshmana's life. That's the story. What it speaks of, 
the challenge was still there hanumana couldn't that mountain was bigger than him the challenge was still there and there was so much of vegetation he couldn't find the herb he became bigger than the problem how again it is rama's mission that's the orientation that gives him the strength that i am doing rama's work god's work that vyavsayatmaka buddhi gives him that strength the power to transcend all the difficulties the difficulties are there it's not they has been removed they are still there he has gone bigger than the problem just in a classroom when the teacher draws a line in the blackboard and asks the student can you shorten it without touching it the, all the students were really perplexed how is it possible that without touching without uh, just with a duster i erase it how can i sh- shorten it then one small intelligent girl comes and draws a longer line parallel to that line doesn't touch that line compared to that line this line becomes shorter so that's what your attitude can be longer than all the problems of life when at the hillary for the first time the first attempt he failed to reach the everest he reached almost near but had to because of bad weather he has to come down and then a huge reception was given to him because in those days that itself was a big achievement because none have reached the top and in the reception uh, means he was asked to address the people who came to give him the reception and on the back stage there was a picture of the mount everest there was a uh, a photo of the mount everest so hillary when he came to the stage instead of facing the audience he faced the backdrop the screen and as if addressing the screen he told this time you won i felt it is at last i couldn't conquer you but i know next time i'm going to conquer you why your height is fixed you are not going to grow but i can grow i have the capacity to grow you cannot grow you are very tall but your height is fixed i have the capacity to outgrow that this time i felt next time i'm going to win you and that's what has happened so this is the way the orientation that can make uh, that can give us the capacity to outgrow the challenges of life and that's how we go beyond the fear it's not that all the dangers will be removed from the life they will be there as it is for arjuna the war was still there the, the one to whom bhagwan is saying you go beyond bhaya you can then you then think the war is still there how come he is going beyond bhaya by changing the orientation not by avoiding the war by facing the war with an orientation which makes you bigger than the problem and that is possible only by way of vyavsayatmaka buddhi focused with that idea that i am the servant of the lord it is he who is working through me seek not avoid not whatever situation he has kept me whatever work it may be i need not think of the result just do it with all the faculties which he has given me and there it ends and that it it ends not only with a feeling of emptiness you immediately get the cash down payment of tremendous sense of fulfillment happiness ecstasy and that's what karma yoga is so with this we stop our discussion today the next class we will again proceed to the next slokas so thank you all namaskars